Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Homestar. What up? Well, hello. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Father Nathan. This is Father Mike. We are recording from a new location. Is this... Have you guys recorded here before? I have not. Yeah, me neither. It's a great view. I mean, we're going to take a little picture and... and Beautiful. Post yeah, what yeah, we're that's up to. good. That's a good picture. It's, it's lush. It's green. Full of verdure. Verdure. <laughs> I just saw that that the other day, like that word. And I was like, wow. Was I... it in the liturgy? I think it might have been. Yeah. The, yeah, the it was. Office it was of the readings. Office of Readings, yeah. We are in a new location. We don't have a table. We don't have a desk. We have two nice chairs overlooking the St. John Biani property. Um, not a bad gig. No, it's nice. This is a comfortable chair, for sure. Sorry about all the adjustment sounds. There are creakers. Got to get it set up. Father Mike is stretching. Oh, and I never stretch. You know me. Yeah, but that's usually... I try to avoid that. That's usually why you're, why you're making those groaning uh, noises. Uh, uh, oh, ow. Nope, not tonight. Um, yeah, I'm ready to go. See? Well adjusted. Isn't that a term for like... Chiropractors. Oh. <laughs> that's what it's... I thought a, it was going to be like... Yep, nope. For... It's chiropractors. Civil people or adults. I know, guess, well yeah. Well adjusted. So, um, you moved into a new house. Yes. A familiar friend. Right. So, um, Capitol Hill, Denver, back to um, companions living together. There's going to be uh, four of us priests moved in, and we've got two seminarians for the summer, the four of us priests for uh, a year, and uh, living in community. Odd experimentum. Odd experimentum. That means we reassess after a year. Yeah. See how things are going. The, the pastors are going to commute to, or I guess we're all going to commute to our churches that aren't too far away. Right. And um, yeah, we're excited. First thing we did, we said Mass together and set it off right. Yep. Now we're still kind of cleaning and adjusting and uh, setting up the house. Are you going to get a BMX bike so you can just roll it all the way down to the cathedral? That is my hope. I don't have to get one. I think there's one at home. Like at my parents' house, mm-hmm. I think I gave it to my brother, but he's going off to college. So, yes, the BMX is back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to take your big old bike down there, but a BMXer that'll yeah. get you where you need to go. Well, the road bike has like those clips, and so yeah. you got to wear special shoes. Yeah, not going to happen. Right. But if I roll on the on the BMX in collar, I can hang out at the skate park or whatever. Just go down. I'm. I live. About four blocks from where my assignment's going to be. Yeah, I mean, Cathedral. the only time that you'd actually need your car is if you got a hospital call, but then you could just roll on the BMX. To the hospital? No, I mean, like, back to the house. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, maybe to the hospital. Get the oils, get everything. Yeah, you need a little messenger bag. So I did a, well, I don't know whether or not I should be saying this, but I did a COVID anointing. Yeah, that's fine. And they make you wear this space suit. You I mean, got to wear the spacesuit? I wore the spacesuit. I didn't get any of that. It's like this whole like ventilated helmet with this. Really? Yeah, side pack. It's almost like a scuba diving. Where outfit. was it? Is it Denver Health? This was at Porter Hospital. Wow. Yeah. But I felt very safe, and the nurses assured me that this is safer than you are out in public. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I went to go do one, they were like, um, you got your own mask. Yeah, you don't need one. And uh, do you have like, do you have gloves? Uh, okay, yeah, you can oh, have some really? of ours. And I was like, okay. No, so, no, no. They set me up. They set me up great. That the must whole have space been space suit, dude. That must I felt have like been. I was uh, SpaceX, Elon Musk going to the Mars. Was the person was the person uh, breathing uh, like without the help of a ventilator? Yes. Yeah, he wasn't on a ventilator That's yet. probably why. He was breathing quickly, mm-hmm. but uh, hadn't been put on a ventilator. Yeah, because I think that if they are ventilated, there's less risk. Because oh, really? it's all self-contained. I see. So, 
No, this guy, it was great. I mean, this was a very prayerful Hispanic guy, um, parishioner at Our Lady of Guadalupe. So prayed all the prayers in Spanish. They zoomed in with the family. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a real blessing just to see his um, his prayerfulness. And, you know, with the situation where you, you can't have visitors, I think it was very um, important and special to have um, have a priest in there and have those prayers and... Um, in the sacrament, yeah. I mean, I I felt honored and and blessed to be able to help him that way. Yeah, I did one for a guy the not other. That, day. That's the, not the case with anybody, but you know, it just felt special, right? You well, especially when they're so isolated. Yeah. You know, for them exactly. to ha- yeah. be comforted by that. But the um, <clears throat> uh, when I went to a nursing home the other day, the guy on the so they have two rooms in the nursing home. Uh, so you, there's two beds separated by a curtain and, um, I was doing the last rites for a guy on one side and, uh, then all of a sudden I hear a guy in the other room saying the, our father while we're praying and I go over and I talk to this guy and he's from Mexico and it was amazing. Like the, the Spanish came right back and I was able to ask him like, what's your name? Like, where are you from? How are you doing? You know, and I would you like to be anointed? And uh, and then I had to do the prayers in English because I didn't have the book in Spanish, and I wanted to make sure I got the words right. Um, but we prayed the um, uh, Hail Mary in in uh, Spanish, and he was like so grateful. Oh, and I was God. like, dude, a doble. Yeah, I'm 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 proud of you and impressed <clears throat> that you that the Spanish came right back. I mean, it it can work like that, but you have an exceptional memory. Well, it was it was one of those things. I was like. I needed to do something, so I think there was like more urgency. If I had to like write a homily or something like that, I think it would take me hours. Yeah, but something like that, it was just you know, I mean, yeah. it was like I was using the subjunctive tense or something, but it was like I am going to anoint you. Are you okay with that? Yes, you know. Yeah. Well, that's enough. That's right. right. I asked the him, job done. I asked him, "Are you Catholic?" And he's like, "You know, soy mexicano." Yeah, soy that Catholico. means yes. Yeah, soy guadalupano. Yeah, right. So, anywho. Well, that's cool, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's my week. I've been... uh, We had a wedding today, Amy and Chad. And they had just kind of opened opened up for more people to be at at Mass. Mm -hmm. So, it had been 10 people, and now I think there were like 30 people there. Right. They were spread out, of course, and there's masks and stuff. But I think that was um, just special for the couple and... Right. I mean, it was a beautiful wedding, and they all have been. We've been doing weddings, and even with the small crowd, it's, yeah. it's the sacrament, you know? I've got one I've got one uh, next Friday, and they already had to bump it once, and they were hoping that they, they could do it a little bit more, and I got to tell her the other day that she was going to be able to have more people, so she was excited. Yeah. So, Janelle and Dylan. So. Shout out. Shout out. So um, am I going first? Sure. So, uh, question is: I mean, are you have you gone since you're living downtown? Have you seen any of the the protesters or any of the kind of people you know gathering for these? Uh, yeah, for the protests. Yeah, for the protests. Well, so I stayed <clears throat> overnight uh, last night and the night before, and there are helicopters overhead. I think it's the news crews. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, yeah, there were people kind of um, walking the streets, going downtown. And um, I kind of followed it a little bit. I watched some of the live stuff. And um, there was riots on Saturday and Sunday. And then since then, the crowds have grown. And, um, and it's been rather peaceful. They've been uh, a lot of people sitting down and um, turning on the, like, the flashlight on the cell phone and um, kind of lighting up the the streets and the sky that way, hmm. and um, yeah, we have a curfew in Denver, and that has not been followed by all these folks, and so it's a little controversial with social distancing and this curfew situation. But, sure. Um, yeah, I've been close, but not close enough that I'm like in you know in the midst of but it. But you can hear it. You hear what's going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, out in Arvada, there's nothing. There's nothing really going on. I mean, I think a lot of people are are watching. I think a lot of people are 
are following it on the news. <clears throat> It'd be interesting to see if they had, you know, kind of a, a satellite, either demonstration or some way for people to feel like they're connected, you know, where we are. Um, but I wouldn't say it's it's been as crazy as certainly downtown Denver. Yeah, it's downtown. So, um, you know, Father John, you know, he, he usually has his own topics prepared. And then sometimes he likes to tell us what topics we need to prepare. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, it was uh, it was good because he's like you know you guys are up next and it seems like you know this is a fitting topic given everything that's going on and uh, we just wanted to to wax a little bit on uh, you know the gospel's perspective on kind of race and um, gathering people together you know. Um, so I, I'm the one that prepared this topic and whenever I was doing it, I, I, you know, started thinking like, what is it, you know, what's at the, what's at the core of, you know, the, the race, the racial divisions. Hmm. And, and what I just kept coming back to was that people feel segregated. They don't feel like they're part of a whole. They feel like you're over here and we're over there. And those other people are over there, and there's there's division. Division, yeah. And uh, as much as we say, like, we are Americans or we are, you know, Catholics or something like that, like, there can be a sense that uh, we're, we're divided. And uh, as we know, like, in Christ, you know, there is no, there is no division. You know, he, he died for all. Um, and he, he died um, not as somebody of our particular color or even religion or even you know race i mean like if if you're if you narrow it down it's like what would jesus look like he wouldn't look like a german or an italian or something scandinavian or a scandinavian uh so we're very comfortable with that we're very comfortable with christ being this savior for us um and somehow having an application to me as a member of the human community, as a member of the human race. But then on the the micro level, you know, me versus these others, like there's just a lot of division. Yeah. And, and I would say in various ways in American culture right now, mm-hmm. political, um, race. Social. Yeah, social, ideological. Economic, exactly. So in all of these things, uh, we find ourselves separated and so I started uh, doing some research on uh, where does where does you know where does that root word come from? <clears throat> so, can I can I before before we get into this uh, to kind of the theoretical, right? Can I say something about the specific Please. circumstances right now? Yeah. Well, just to express to um, to our community the of listeners that. Um, we as as priests have a uh, very strong concern for um, anything anything that's racist is unwelcome in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, police brutality and this disgusting murder of George Floyd is absolutely unacceptable mm-hmm. and something that we should feel um, a righteous anger about. Yes, and of course, um, this the circumstances of. Um, rioting is absolutely unacceptable, and I think most like acknowledge that. Um, and I think uh, the protests uh, are um, important, like the, the First Amendment, the kind of uh, expressing ourselves, expressing yes. our concerns as right. in, in community does build solidarity, and and also is something that the Christian needs to feel this uh, cry for justice, and that takes, of course, a lot of different expressions how to show that concern. Mm-hmm. It's prayer, it's compassion, it's um, solidarity, conversion yeah. of ourselves and the ways that we're, uh, we kind of promote division in our, our own hearts. And, um, but I wanted just to express that we, we have um, strong concerns about this and that we have been praying in the parish and been asked to by the bishops to pray for um, conversion of the culture of um, the problems that are associated with this event, and um, and just to express our concern, I think we're. I mean, we're going to go into the broad kind of. Question. No, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that you did that because um, I don't want to just. I don't want to just apply 
a scripture to something and say, oh, that's medicinal. You know, we've, we've now, you know, kind of solved that problem. If only they would just do this. I mean, as I was reflecting on it beforehand, it's like, you know, we have been committing atrocities um, for centuries in the United States. Um, and um, whether it's to the specific black community or it's to minorities or it's to those who are uh, considered um, persons that we don't really care as much about, like they're not part of the fold. <clears throat> and the church, you know, hears the cry of the poor, and the church stands with the poor. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, what people see in this situation was this poor man uh, was, was being unjustly treated, and then... Even as people were around, people that were supposed to care for him uh, and protect him, you know, protect the vulnerable, they actually preyed upon him. And that that just, you know, flares up all of these feelings of, you know, who is protected then? Who, yeah. Who's worthy of of uh, receiving this kind of uh, protection? But also, like, who's who's the one that's, that's not going to receive that protection as well? And... Um, I've been I've been grateful to see you know a number of people uh, admit like we don't we haven't gotten this right in a while mm. and we need to start addressing this because oftentimes like the situation just kind of gets to a place where it's like it's not good but what are we really going to do about it yeah and or the, what can be done uh, like what am I supposed to do? right you know and I and I would just I would just say like the the death of this man. Is, is not going to be in vain. I was reading Al Sharpton's uh, eulogy that he gave, and he said, we, we did not come here because this death was foreseen. This was not supposed to happen. Mm. Uh, it's not like it was after a long illness or in the time of pandemic, like uh, that, you know, we're accustomed to hearing people die. Like, this should not have happened. And there's actually a deeper pandemic of racism in the United States, and this could be an important event for us as a community to begin kind of looking at it and saying, how many, how many more people are going to have to suffer yeah. before we start addressing it? And well, and I think, I think it's important to say that um, the, the Christian claim, the good news of Jesus, is that there is in Christ the possibility of justice. Because these things are so complicated. Yes. And I, I mean, even ha- having said what we have... I think of like the the police officers. You know, they're in a very vulnerable situation right now and a very difficult place because they're hated, mm-hmm. and that's that's unjust. Yes, right. I mean, they uh, this you can't. Part of the problem of division is saying that group of people is dot dot dot. Right, and like all good or all bad, and that kind of um, stereotyping. Or a kind of blanket attitude and perspective is is detrimental toward the unity of of people. So I feel for and pray for police officers and who are in harm's way, um, like you know the business owners with the with the riots and everything. And mm-hmm. there's just so so complex. Yeah. And it, I think I think if I, if I have hope, I, I there is some disillusionment I have toward like political answers and yeah. um, and like certain people are to blame, like political leaders or something like that. I really hope in Jesus. I think yeah. I think the gospel is um, a, has serious answers to injustice. It's not just like hey feel good here, you know right other opiate people, of the people other people suffer you'll yeah. suffer no yeah and it's not like if you're you know, if you're a Christian, then you won't suffer or something like that. Or, you know, this is this is an obvious and easy solution uh, that's going to be solved by the church or something like that. These things are very complex, right? And they're healed over a long period of time as well. And there's there has been violence in the human family from the very beginning. Yeah, that's the fall. Yeah, that's what we that's what we recognize mm-hmm. that we we admit a reality about humanity that. In some way, we're not surprised that terrible things happen. I mean, it's tragic. It should, it should be a cause of great sorrow for every individual. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and also the Christian lives in that reality. Like, this isn't, yeah, maybe it's just not a surprise, totally, because we live aware of our own corruption mm-hmm. and trying to um, seek healing for that, conversion for that. And then we recognize that things are very fragile. You don't, if you've studied history at all, you know that people are dangerous and that, um, I, I mean, I think there's this sort of modern bias maybe not everybody has, but certainly a lot of people have, that people are good. If you just left everybody alone, they'd do the right thing all the time. That's, no, that, no. Isn't that Rousseau? Right. Isn't that Rousseau? And he's saying, you know, natural man, like, left to his own devices, would would certainly, like, live in harmony with all of these people. But yeah, there's it's no naive. Way. Yeah. All right. We, let's go back to the... Yeah, I mean, picture. but what I was, the, the other thing I was saying is that, you know, from the beginning, it's not just the fall, it's like the, the effects of the fall. Like, brother goes against brother. Like, in their own family, mm. of their own kin, they kill each other. And then it expands out, because then, you know, you have Lamech and all these other guys in Genesis who begin killing each other. And um, the bloodshed is not... You know, sort of God just saying, well, that's just what they do, you know, like, I'll deal with it later. No, like, you know, Abel's blood cries out from the earth. Yeah. And uh, I think that George Floyd's blood is calling out, as people are seeing, for justice. And the, the hard part is um, the um, is the is the justice um, going to be found in the immediate future? Like, are we going to be able to do something to ensure that this will never happen again or or that you know like people are going to be able to come together. I don't know. Like we that's what we want. I mean, this is what Martin Luther King wanted. He wanted to see people come together as communities and as brothers and sisters under one flag. And um and that that's what I think that you know we kind of fell off the pace of that for a while and I, I think that this is going to be a, a catalyst event um that Well, that and the people, god that we know cares the god that we know is is not just looking down like you said it's not like oh this stuff happens god is god loves every person so powerfully and so profoundly that every injustice is um is heart heart wrenching to god god's the whole point of christianity says that god is so heartbroken and because of these the fall and all of this injustice mm-hmm. um, and all of the sorrow and and the the <clears> madness <throat> and the sin and addiction and being trapped by evil that he came up with a solution i will send my own son and he will die on behalf of the world mm-hmm. and for the salvation of the world and that's something that has to play out in time you know, and it is playing out in time. But I say that because it's important for us to recognize that the God that we believe in is not indifferent. That God is is a personal Father who has created every soul and cares so much about every soul that this is um, it's heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's difficult to exp- it is difficult to explain. I don't understand why the that evil happens. You know, there's something related to freedom, you know, God, in order for us to love and to be able to um, have compassion and reach out to other people to do something, um, we have to have the freedom to be able, um, or there has to be the possibility of suffering. Um, But this, we don't have a God who doesn't care. That's my point. Yeah. And he's eager, he's eager to, to get us as his members of his body to actually ensure the ministry of reconciliation, not just with him, but with one another, yeah. because the bonds have been broken between man to man, man to God, man to himself. So mm-hmm. so when I was thinking about, you know, just the, the idea of like people being separated from one another and segregated from one another, uh, I just, I was like, what is the root word of segregation, you know, to, to and what it is, is to gather one's uh, to gather one's uh, to oneself, ipse um, gregare. 
So uh, you're over there, you're of that kind, and you're of this kind, you know. And so I was looking at where is Jesus actually, does, does Jesus ever talk about, you know, segregation? And when I looked in the Gospels, what I was able to see was uh, one particular passage, which I was, I was happy to go through it again, at least with this uh, kind of question of, of racism and conflict in mind, and that's Matthew 25, uh, verses 31 through 46. So uh, you probably remember the, you know, the Son of Man seated on his throne, and uh, he gathers all the nations to himself. It's the passage about the sheep and the goats. So we're, we're going to kind of walk through that because there's at least three points uh, where I thought it was just really uh, almost eerie how much they, they kind of relate to the present situation. So to, mm. be, to be gregarious is to gather uh, one's people to yourself. You know, like uh, if, you're, if you're a gregarious person, you're, you gather people around you. Um, to, and that's a, that's a virtue. That's a virtue, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, uh, a shepherd would be considered gregarious yeah. because he's gathering the flock around himself. You could say a parent. With the family, sure, yeah, and that's why we—that's where we get the word congregation. Uh, oh yeah, a, right. A congregation is a group of people who are gathered together. Um, and actually, in the Latin, we're gonna do a little Latin and a little Greek. So All I'm, right, I'm gonna test you. Um, in verse thirty-two, it says, "Et congregabuntur ante eum omnes gentes." So, and he gathers all the nations to himself. He gathers every single nation, every class, every creed, every color is gathered to himself. And actually, the word in the Greek is, sorry, I'm not as dambidextrous with, with, uh, with this, sunaxthesontai euprosthen autu pantata ethne, pantata ethne. All of the yeah, all of the peoples, all, all of the, the peoples, eth- ethnicities, ethnicities, because we get into these things where it's like, well, you know, like you're white, you're black, you're whatever. But it's like when you have to go through the whole thing, it's like, what's your ethnicity? Well, Jesus gathers all of these persons in this passage to Himself. So every single person uh, of all time and place are gathered in this in this passage uh, with the angels um, in front of the throne of God. And uh, they begin to congregate. And then once they are congregate, it says uh, that he separabit eus ab invicim, sicut pastor segregat ovas ab hades. Mm-hmm. Okay? He, he, sorry, I forgot my English Bible, yeah. so I'm having to do this from the Latin. Uh, he separates them from one another like a pastor segregates or, you know, distinguishes sheep from goats. From the goats, yeah. So what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, at some point in time, there's going to be a congregation of every race, every tribe, every ethnicity, every single color. All of them are going to be gathered before the Lord, and they're not going to be separated according to their ethnicities. They're one entire mass, you know, this, mm-hmm. all of these ethnic ethnics, and then he's going to separate them. And they're not going to be separated based on their color. They're going to be separated based on whether they are sheep or goats. Yeah. There, there are two... And you'll get to that. There are whether, only two classes. Yeah. Two whatever. And he gives the criteria. Did you, uh, did you care for me in the poor? Did you take care of me when I was thirsty? Or did you take care of your brother, the least of these? Uh, did you take care of me when I was hungry? Did you take care of the people who were in prison? Did you take care of the people who um, are without homes? Um, so I, I see I, I see the point, and I like it. It's it's the gathering of the people. I have this question: um, How do you read this? Is this is this an end times judgment? Is this a um, something that Jesus did? with his resurrection, like there's imagery, um, you, this can be read differently. So the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, with Pentecost, you have the apostles speaking in all of the tongues of the land. And when it goes, when the author, uh, St. Luke, goes through the list of the peoples that um, 
the apostles are speaking to through the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it, the list goes through all of the all of the different ethnic groups that surround um, Jerusalem at the time, and it, it really represents all the different kinds of people of the world that have come together and being are being um, receiving the gospel and then convert yeah, a microcosm. So yeah, there's a, there's a sense that the the church uh, from its very beginning is is this collection that Jesus has brought to himself and then is also um, kind of sorting out, you know, through through time and in, in every age. Um, but you could also read this as the final judgment, you know, something that's um, <clears throat> speaking of heaven, you know, where things have been sorted out and where all people are living in harmony there together. Or even something of like an end time, like Jesus is going to come back and do this. But I don't want to like press it too much to some distant future with that's cataclysmic and every the world is ending and then then this happens because I do think it it happened immediately after the resurrection and is happening in our experience of the. This Catholic is happening. Church. I think this is happening right now. Right. Like in terms of we are congregated before the Lord. We are his congregation. We are his flock. And the only distinction that Jesus makes is between sheep and goats. And he separates them like a shepherd separates sheep and goats. We kind of say it's sheep and goats, but it just says like he's separating like that. Some people are on his left. Some people are on his right. Mm -hmm. And he says to the one, come, come, come to me. Like you are, you're going to come with me. To the sheep. To the sheep. And to the other ones, he says, depart. You're either coming or you're going. Mm. And woe to us if you just see this as, this is what's going to happen later. This is happening now. You are already being sent away from him now if you are not doing these things mm. that he mentions. And one of the ones that I, want to, uh, want, that I want to focus on is, a stranger and you welcomed me. Mm. Okay? Um, so the, the line is, you know, I was, I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink, um, a stranger and you welcomed me, uh, uh, naked and you clothed me, sick and you visited me, in prison and, and you came to me. You, um, so the, the one that is, is, is interesting is a stranger and you welcomed me. So in the, in the, in the Latin, this is hospes eram et collegi collegistis may, okay? Um, hospice is stranger, okay? That's the where we get the word hospitality and yeah. hospital. Welcoming the... Welcoming the stranger. Yeah, the stranger. You are no longer somebody who's outside. You are now somebody who's inside. Oh, yeah. Like and that. we're going to draw you in. So to, uh, to exercise hospitality is actually to draw somebody into the fold. But the Greek in this is... Um, Xenos, uh, Xenos, Hamin, Kai, Sunagagete, May, Sunagagete, May. Um, so, yeah, and the Xenos, Xenos, Xenos is where you, well, not everybody's going to be familiar with the term xenophobia. Exactly. Fear of the. Did you know that already? Did I tell you that already? Fear of the stranger. No, I know that term. Oh, that's crazy. Like, so, I mean, I knew that. But I had never seen that together. Like a stranger, a xenos, and you, and you, sunagagete me. Yeah. So I had to look led at this me, one. Led me together with yourself. Yeah. Yes. So uh, brought me in. Xenophobia is defined as a prejudice or dislike uh, for people from another country or, you know, a foreigner. Mm -hmm. So you are not exercising hospitality, you are not welcoming me. And who are you? I mean, are you welcome? Is it the fact that you're not welcoming these persons into your country? Is it that you're not welcoming these persons into your life, into your mm. home, um, into your friendship, into your embrace? Mm. Uh, in all of these things, like we actually have to look it in, look at it and say, is this just going to happen later? Like, am I just going to get high marks? Like, how did I do? You know, like preparing dinners for all of my friends. How did I do? You know, when when my you know relatives came into town and I exercised hospitality. No, it's actually like you are called to take one into the fold, 
into your mm. own and welcome them. A stranger and yeah. you welcomed me. Yeah, the stranger. Yeah, and when you say that, you, when you say the fold, are you talking about the, the church or are you talking about your life, your community? Well, I mean, they're already in, they're already in the church, you know? Every single person has access to the church. I mean, as when we were kind of talking about this beforehand, it's like, where well, are you going to get into St. Paul? You know, in, in Christ, there is neither, you know, slave nor free nor Scythian nor Greek. And uh, I think people know, like, there is no distinction in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only way that he's going to separate persons is from those who have welcomed him and those who have not welcomed him. And not just him, because the, the next point is, you know, this, this kind of haunting line, which, you know, I'm going to spare you in the Greek, but domine quando, Lord, when? Mm. Just, just meditate on, Lord, when did this happen? Yeah. When did I do this right? When did I not do this? Because they don't see it. And sometimes we want to just immediately point to, these are the ways in which I know that I am doing the right thing. And maybe you are, and maybe you aren't. Hmm. So the point is, the judgment is happening now, and we have to repent now from any behaviors or attitudes or ways of talking or ways of relating that are in any way dismissing strangers from our lives, persons that we're not either comfortable with. That's condemned right here by Jesus. You know, you you welcome the stranger. Two, I have two thoughts that come to mind. One is... um, I th- I think a remarkable example that I've uh, I've had recently of the little sisters of the poor. I was helping with masses at a nursing home um run by the little sisters of the poor and these sisters you know all religious take vows of poverty, chastity and obedience. And the little sisters of the poor take a fourth vow of hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. And when the sisters explained it to me they said um the the most perfect expression of our hospitality is to be at the side of one who is dying. They're always at the side of one who is dying because right. they will not let anyone die alone. And I found that extraordinarily beautiful in terms of hospitality. Every person is my family member. Yeah. Every person is someone that I will sacrifice myself. And, and that's easy, the sacrifice. But to be with them because I love them. Because yeah. I'm a Christian, because I love Jesus, and I've been called to this. You know, Jesus said, "You you welcome me when I'm a stranger," and they don't care who it is. They don't know who it is. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what race or um, income level or um, if they even speak the same language. Um, right. These sisters are from all over the world. Right. That's their that's their welcome. They bring you into their own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's extraordinarily beautiful. I'm also proud. I don't want to overdo this, but I would say something I love about the Catholic Church. Catholic means universal, and I have seen time and again expressions of the unity of Catholics. Sure. There are a billion Catholics around the world. This isn't some elite class in the Western world. This is um, people of every ethnicity, right. in almost every country throughout the world, right. praying the same prayers. Considering each other brothers and sisters, I've traveled a lot, I've said Mass in various places, mm-hmm. and met a lot of Christians, uh, a lot of Catholics. Everywhere you go, you are brothers and sisters with those exactly. folks, you know? And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I think that was one of the conversion experiences I had as a young man, was um, going to World Youth Day, and just seeing, whoa, this is bigger than I ever imagined. This isn't just my local parish. This is all around the world. We all uh, share some extraordinary bond. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to say that everything's perfect all the time, that there's no division within the church. Um, Unfortunately, there is, and we pray for unity with every Mass. But but there is this incredible community um, that's unified by Jesus that does uh, span um, so many of the divisions that we could... um, that are perpetuated by mm-hmm. life and the world and communities and societies. Yeah, we call America boundaries. We call America the melting pot, but I would say that the church has been yeah, has I been, like that has been melting together. 
like and drawing the the real gifts and charisms of the the various peoples from all over the world. I mean, just going to Ethiopia, you know, was that last year or something? Like, I felt more at home there than I had I had felt, you know, at at you know, like going to Longmont or something. Like, yeah. Um, like I, the, the, they just welcomed me. They, they drew me in. And, um, and I, I felt that here in Denver, whenever I've met with people, you know, who are from different countries and, and they just want to share their gifts with, with people and they don't care who it is. They just want you to come in. Well, and to, I think, um, I, even the, the language piece is an expression of this. You learn Spanish not because you've got family who are Spanish, right? Uh, Spanish speaking. It's because you want to care for people. You're a priest, and you want to be a good father to those who are right. Catholic, no matter what language they speak, right? You know, and that's what we do. We yep. minister to anybody who is Catholic, and um, and that takes effort. You know, you went out of your way to learn something difficult in order to welcome people into your fold. Yeah. And in order to to be able to hear it in their own language, you know, and actually draw from from their experience, and not just me, you know, translating what I want to say into the, to their life, mm-hmm. but also like to hear like what's going on with you. So, I mean, what what you said too that's important is like it's not just Jesus saying you better love me, because they say, Lord, when when did we see you hungry? Yeah, yeah. You know, and the word like, it's like I would have if I knew it was you. Then I would have thought that. Yeah, but even even for the people who did it, the sheep, they're like, Lord, when did we see you do oh, that? We didn't true, even see yeah. it. And it and the word is, uh, whenever you did this to one of my fratribus meis minimis, yeah, one li- of the least brother. of my brothers. Okay, um, eloxaton, eloxaton is the is the is the Greek, namely small ones or minor ones mm. or minorities interesting yeah the, the not the majorities the m- minor ones yeah the small ones the I- easily ignored yes when you did it to them you did it to me so it's not just like when you did it to the people who are of a particular class or color but rather like when you did it to people who were small who were insignificant who were forgotten Mm. who uh, didn't necessarily like count for something. And that, that's not always a particular class or color. You could be of that same color and treat even people of your own color as minorities. Right. The, the, the guy, the, the people that you know, frustrate you or are annoying or low income level or of a different political party or whatever. So Jesus is actually calling us to be with the little ones, the minimus, um, so, uh, and what he draws them into the, the people that have done this, it's, it's eternal life, you know, not just a better life, eternal life. And, and if you think eternal life is going to begin later, you know, if heaven's something, you know, somewhere far off, then you're just a mercenary. You're doing everything you can so that you can, you know, finally win that prize. But the people that get sent away, they're like, Lord, when did we see you do that? We would have done that to you, and he's saying, "No, you didn't do it for them. How? Why would I think that you would do it for me if you wouldn't even do it for these other ones?" Yeah. So I, I think it's a wonderful examination of our own conscience, which I think, you know, as we were kind of saying at the beginning of the podcast, that's what the culture seems to be doing right now is doing a a real gut check, mm, and yeah. there are people saying we're still not good. You know, is everything cool? Is everything all right? Are we good? And, you know, people in culture saying, no, we're not good. No. Yeah. And we actually need to address this. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, otherwise, it's not just going to be uh, temporal fires, you know, that happen downtown and, you know, the rioting, which is repulsive. Um, but uh, there's going to be eternal fires, you know, and that's, that's something that we don't want to just overlook in the midst of all of it. It's about mm-hmm. our own conversion. Conversion of the nation, yes. Conversion of ourselves, and really taking an honest look and saying, what can I do to actually focus on some of these things? Welcoming the stranger, being with the little ones, um, and uh, being part of the ones that are congregated around the throne of God. 
I think it's, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, this is a profound reflection and very important. I mean, it, it's not, it's not like if the economy's running well enough and everybody's entertained by dancing with the stars, then the world is fine. Right. It really, there's, there's problems. There's serious problems that are underneath. And, um, and this is like, well, let's address that. Let's get to that. Let's, let's make that concern. And, um, without the expectation of, you know, we, that naive expectation of we're going to change the whole social order that's fallen. Mm -hmm. And, um, and although we're committed to that, um, it takes that individual personal, um, conversion commitment to, um, to welcoming the stranger. And I, I think you've given us um, some great, um, well, reflection over that passage, Matthew 25, and then the kind of language that should help us meditate. So I hope that I don't just, you know, in one ear and out the other with this. You know, I want to pray about this for a week. Well, I, I really, I hadn't, I'd never considered that as the stranger being the, the xenon, you know, like the, the one who's the, the outsider, you know, the... And um, I just thought it was like somebody I don't know yet, and then eventually I do know them. It's like no, this this could even be somebody that I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust that guy. Yeah, I don't like that guy. I don't know about that guy. Yeah, I don't know about how that. do I welcome that? I don't know about that class. You know. Um, so, anyways, uh, you know, I would just say that's the only time that I found Father Brady mentioned. He's like, well, Jesus separates the weeds from the wheat. Right. Okay. Yeah. But that's separate. In this passage, he's talking about segregavit. Mm. Okay. To gather them to themselves. Because when you gather people to themselves, you're taking like things that are like unto themselves and putting them in different, you know, like kind of uh, sections or whatever. And the only time Jesus draws people apart from each other instead of d- uniting them is when it's like, no, you were always. You were always away, going to depart from me because you were not going to do these things. And woe to us if we just say, well, I'm certainly going to be saved. And yeah, I want to conclude with a, a, a noble passage from someone who knew a little bit about race relations. Are you familiar with this? Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor. You know what passage we're going to read? I don't know what to expect, but she has, uh, I have read a number of her short stories and she has profound reflections. As a Christian, you can tell this is a person of faith and deep conviction about the gospel. We're not going to do much of it, but I would certainly recommend the story Revelation. Because right now, right now I think what we need is for people's eyes to be opened to the truth uh, that, that, is, that people are saying. And uh, we, need, we need conversion of heart. And what, what this story, Revelation, is about is about conversion of heart. Somebody mm-hmm. who's smug and who believes that they got it all figured out and they're perfect and they have this sort of um, clucking, um, you know, sadness over, you know, poorer people. But she's not one of them, you know. Yeah. And she gets this, you know, experience of uh, somebody calling her out for what she is. So uh, if you find that you're complacent and... Uh, don't believe that you have any more conversion to be done. Uh, this is what uh, this woman uh, he has said to her, because she's looking, uh, she's she's thinking to herself that you know everything's fine, and then this girl is having this sort of episode at the doctor's office, and she's watching this girl, and then eventually she says, "What you got to say to me?" She asked hoarsely and held her breath, waiting as for a revelation. The girl raised her head. Her gaze locked with Mrs. Turpin's. Go back to hell where you came from, you old warthog, she whispered. Her voice was low but clear. Her eyes burned for a moment as if she saw with pleasure that her message had struck its target. Mrs. Turpin sat back in her chair. So she thought that she had everything going for her, and she says, go back to hell, you old warthog. And she spends the rest of the, the short story reflecting on, is what this girl said true? Could it possibly be true? And she self-justifies. Yeah, she knew she was a sheep, and then the revelation is, you're a goat. You could be, yeah. You're waking up. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm a goat. So I'm, I'm a warthog. 
I like that warthog. Go back to hell. I mean, that's... Go back to hell, you old warthog. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to read the end of the story because it will, it will, it will ruin it. So I, I would say the end of the chapter is her realizing the truth of what's actually in front of her. And as we come to comprehend, as we come to apprehend the truth of what's going on in front of us, hopefully it leads to a deeper conversion of hearts, not just people's, of individual hearts as well. So, um, I, I, if, if and that, I, that's I, a profound thing, and it's not just like a guilt trip or a, a victimhood. Like, I, you know, I think this can be, this can be cheapened. Where it's like, oh, yes, I realize I should feel guilty. Someone told me that I should feel guilty sure. about something, this or that. Um, but like that, that real conviction, I see myself in a light that I never did. And, and, and with hope, because the Christian has hope. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I am nasty. I am the warthog um, without possibility of conversion. That's why we can, we can actually look at ourselves and say, oh, yeah, I'm not perfect. Yes, I need I need to grow. I need to change, and um, and even look at the terrible ways that we are um, depraved. We're fallen mm-hmm. uh, because we have the hope. We know that these things can change. That there's grace and there's conversion, and that God is God is actually going to send us moments like this, like Mrs. Turpin, where she has she has to confront her wickedness and choose. Mm. So, anyways, I'll leave it at that. If we can, let's just say a prayer uh, for the repose of the soul of George Floyd. Uh, pray for his family. Um, uh, we'll conclude with this. We want to do shout-outs today. Uh, but let us ask the Lord in his goodness uh, to receive um, his soul, to have mercy on him, to give him uh, a judgment that is uh, fair and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in your sight, uh, all peoples and nations are gathered Uh, as one, and you have mercy on them all, uh, for you love mankind. We pray uh, this day uh, for George, uh, for the repose of his soul, for the consolation of his family, um, that he may have and and find in you uh, a merciful uh, Savior and uh, a a judgment that is fair, and that you may draw him to yourself, uh, that he may continue to pray and intercede for us in that place of light and peace, where we pray that he has already been gathered. We ask uh, that you would continue uh, to use uh, our prayers uh, to settle the hearts of those uh, who mourn him, and that in some way, Lord, you may use this evil uh, to draw out a greater good. Uh, For your son, who suffered the greatest evil, accomplished an even greater good uh, by, uh, by having mercy on all even when we were justly condemned. May the Lord uh, bless him. May he let his face shine upon him. May, uh, may he show him his countenance and, uh, and give him peace. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. Amen. May his soul and all the souls of the faithful departed, through, through the, the mercy, mercy of God, God rest in peace. peace. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. God bless you you all. Thank you, Father Nathan.